You started your business to help others. Somewhere along the way, you lost the capability of doing it on your own. Imagine how much different your business would be with an extra $10,000. Would you pay your rent? Would you buy new equipment? Would you pay your coaches more? Would you pay yourself? What if you could do that and donate to others? We started our business to help you. Finally, a, a payment solution for the micro gym space. We are proud to introduce you to WheelPay, a platform that allows you to both save money and be generous. With giving partners like the Phoenix, the Navy SEAL Foundation, the Green Beret Project, and other charitable organizations, you can trust that your donations will make a massive difference in the lives of others. Saving has never been easier. Giving has never been easier. Pay better. Do better. We'll pay. We are here because we are dedicated to helping the entire CrossFit community. Determined to elevate coaches, box owners, athletes, and everything in between, we believe that this mission will begin right here, right now. While this time and this goal begins with you, our hope is that you take this fire ignited within you and weave it into your own life with the same unrelenting passion to give those you have the privilege of coming in contact with the best hour of their day. Welcome back. We have a recurring guest, Don Fletcher, Driven Mindset. You've rebranded since the last time you were on here. So originally Mentality Wad, for those of you, it was pretty seamless on social media, right? Just a yep. little change in the name. Yeah, pretty seamless. Switching everything over from Mentality Wad to Driven Mind. The, the website in the back end was not as seamless, but you know, once once it made the switch, it was it was pretty easy. So a couple of big things have happened since we've last spoken. One, a pandemic. And I would like to talk to you a little bit about mindset during this pandemic because some people have handled it well, like myself, because I don't really like people. And, you know, it's been, a, I'll tell you what, between a pandemic and a baby, I have so many excuses now to never see another human being, which I like. I like that. I tell people, I like people inside a gym, on Zoom, and that's it. It's funny. I see you as such an extrovert. Many people, I think, well, I think you know this, you know, with your background, it's rare that people are one or the other, right? Of course. And so actually, let me ask you that. How would you define if someone is an introvert or extrovert? I think the biggest key is how you get energized or how you get restored. And so, of course, most people are somewhere in between. They're not all extroverted or all introverted, but it has a lot to do, I think, with where we spend most of our time. If it's an extroverted type of environment, we find ourselves craving more quiet and solitude and isolation. But if we're in that most of the time, then we find ourselves craving people and interaction. So I think it's interesting for me anyways. I know that I get restored being alone, yet over the course of the pandemic, I've spent more time behind a screen alone than ever before. And I just find myself craving interaction and people and missing that I, that I miss that a lot. And it's just, I think it's just human nature that when you can't have what you, what you want to balance yourself out, you start to crave it even more, right? Well, 
it's funny you say that because that's ex- I don't know if that's the definition or not, but that's exactly how I've described it in the past, like how you recharge. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've heard of, I don't know if you know Chuck Carswell. Mm-hmm. And we'll work a seminar together and it'll be, you know, we'll go out to dinner on a Saturday night. And after dinner, he wants to hang out at the bar or, you know, <laughs> go to a bar. And I mean, he's not like doing anything crazy. He doesn't want to get drunk. He just wants to... And he truly recharges that way where I'm like, no, dude, hotel, dessert in bed, and that's it. But I have found I tend to call people more during this time. Mm-hmm. And I get out and I'll call, whether it's a friend, a family member. So maybe I do miss a little bit of that interaction, mm-hmm. but but I definitely don't want to you know, go out and do a, do a, a party scene at the end of a, a busy day. But that, that's of course. So... My point being, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. You work on on mindset, and there are people struggling during this time. I think we're we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. So I think we're we're improving. We're almost on our way out. But have you had to work with people that are struggling? And what are some of the things that you've encouraged them to do during this time? Absolutely, I have. I mean, working with people who are, whether they're parents and they have their kids at home and it, and or their spouses at home, and it's just a new, it's a new stimulus, it's a new environment for them, and that's challenging. Or whether they're on the front lines and the work that they do, and the nurses and the doctors and the hospitals and people who um, have had their challenges as teachers and those people who are, who have been affected in a different way. You know, I think each of us have had unique challenges in the course of over the pandemic. And surely I have been working with people for the past year to um, give them a space. Really, it's about giving them a safe space to allow them to, hey, bring your frustrations and bring your challenges and your struggles and let's talk about them and get them out. Um, I, I know it's so help, healthy to have somebody like outside of the people that you see every day, whether it's your coworkers or your family, to have someone like myself or have a coach where you can just freely talk about the stuff you have going on is really cathartic. So I first and foremost just try to be that to the people that I work with and coach a safe place for them to talk about what what struggles they're facing and how it's tough for them because again each of us have just been impacted in such a different way in such a unique way and I think it's important that you process that while you're going through it instead of waiting till afterwards and trying to reflect back on it and be like, you know, kind of fixing the pieces after the fact. It's like just ongoing healthy processing while you're dealing with trauma, really. Yeah, it is trauma. And I think it's one of those things, maybe because it's a worldwide trauma, people might not feel comfortable or maybe they feel selfish like who am i to complain like everyone's dealing with it but just because other people are struggling doesn't mean you can't right it's you know a lot of the stories we tell ourselves and how how we keep ourselves stuck is that oh it's not that bad or someone has it worse or i shouldn't be complaining and in a lot of ways again that that um undermines our struggle and it keeps us from in a healthy way expressing that yeah i have shit going on and it's hard you know you, you made me think of something. Recently in our coaches development group, I, I was talking to them about, you know, the art of coaching. And it's very easy. Like if somebody wanted, how do I become a better coach? Cool, here's the handbook. CrossFit's already made it. This is what the squat needs to have. These are the points of performance, et cetera. And what they don't have included in there, at least fully, you know, there's presence and attitude, but what we call the best hour of their day. And we kind of had this discussion on, 
it's very hard to measure that. Yes. Like it's hard to tell, hey, I just coached on, she's leaving, one to ten. Yeah, I got it. I could tell when you've PR'd. I can yep. tell when I even made your range of motion better, but I can't tell what's going on in your mind. So, you know, as a coach, as a coach of coaches, as someone that's been around in the CrossFit world for a very long time, what are some of the things you think coaches can do to help their members, you know, the cliche, have the best hour of their day, but like, what are some of those ways that they can do without realizing it or, or ideally with realizing it, but doing that on purpose? Yeah, I know a lot of the stuff that you guys provide is so valuable because that was something that I noticed early on in my CrossFit days through L1, L2, L3 and coaching um, and, and just reading everything in the in the journals and everything that Greg wrote is is it's almost that missing piece of empathy and and interaction with people and understanding how to communicate with your members and we're not we're not really taught that so it's up to us as individuals to seek that out in different ways uh, throughout our throughout our coaching journey. So obviously trying to get yourself connected to some groups where you can do personal growth or personal development and learn about learn about your your people skills, learn about empathy, learn about communication, learn um, what to look for in people's like body language and their facial expressions. So it's it's a critical piece that it's almost like a missing link that we haven't really focused on much or or hasn't been available for us that that you know in in the way that maybe you and I see that could be effective, but it's up to the individual to really seek that out in their life through personal growth, personal development, through books and through groups and seminars and workshops and learning about that other aspect of coaching that I, I think is the most valuable piece. Yeah, you, you, know, you mentioned empathy. That's kind of the word that kind of been my word for the last year or two. And when people ask me about development, I don't think I've gone that much better at teaching, seeing, and correcting. Yeah. I've gone better at empathy. And part of it is, you know, I, I was on uh, Nicola Coyne's podcast for Healthy Steps. And she kind of said, what was your biggest growth? And I was like, well, getting married. Because I was like, okay, I need to be empathetic now. I need to, you know. Totally. You know, and there's a difference of if you listen to enough Brene Brown. Which yep. Sure. <laughs> I was going to say, start there. You know empathy versus sympathy type of thing and it's yep. but something well first of all i did forget you're in l3 so kudos to that that's very impressive and you reminded me of a recent topic that fern and i discussed and if you remember back to your level one in the technique and intensity lecture although i'm sure it's been quite some time since you've been there there was this concept of safety efficacy and efficiency if you remember, you know, and those that listened to this recent episode, they're in balance. And during the same conversation with my coaches development group, I was thinking, okay, but without fun, those three <laughs> things don't matter, right? And no different than if I pull away safety, efficacy and efficiency are meaningless because cool, you're making these amazing results and you're broken, right? Yeah. And and some of that broken can be mental too, which I'd like to touch upon, but where is that? Where does fun fall into that? Well, I think it, it matters because your ability to capture attention as a coach matters. So that's why the, the piece of being entertaining is slightly important. It's not what we would call everything, but being able to capture attention matters because if you don't have attention, you can't teach 
you can't teach basics as far as safety, right? So I think that that fun piece and bringing the enjoyment and bringing the, bringing the excitement and the passion to your class helps because it helps people keep their attention on you and on what you're saying and it helps them be engaged. And so that's critical for them learning the basis of, of safety whenever you're teaching. Beyond that, it's, in, it's critically important because that is gonna be for them a driving factor in their motivation. If you're enjoying something, if you're having fun learning, if you're having fun getting better and growing and going through the challenge that is CrossFit, you're going to be con con you're going to be more likely to be motivated to continue to come back. And that's how you're going to go along from safety to efficacy to efficiency is if you continue to come back. So you, you know, attention matters and consistency matters, and fun is one of those pieces that helps both of those. Yeah, and then, you know, there's that concept that we talk about: educate, inspire, entertain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you do two out of those three, you know, you, you're not going to have a, a great response because you can be educating like crazy and you anyone think back to their favorite teachers in the real world, be it, you know, undergrad, postgrad, et cetera. And most likely they did all three of those. You, if you have that boring teacher that's educating you, but it's miserable, you probably don't look back and with fond memories. So exactly right. certainly having that, that balance there. With that being said, and going back to the best hour, and how, so two questions. One, how can someone purposely develop empathy? And two, how can we make that measurable as a coach? Not just empathy, but that best hour. That was something we talked about. And one of the guys mentioned like a virtual tip jar, like how much would someone tip you, right? Mm -hmm. Like at a Starbucks, you leave a better tip when it was some the, the cashier smiled or they gave me an extra pump of hazelnut or whatever's going on, you don't get tipped. Cool but yeah, I like that idea. But that's what I was trying to come up with because I can see if you saw a fault. I can see if you tried to correct that fault. I can right. see if that fault worked, but I can't see that person smiled or what's going on in their inside. So let's answer that question first. Okay. What are some, I'm putting you on the spot here. I've thought about it for like 48 hours and I don't have <laughs> So I don't know how much you'll come up with instantaneously, but if I said, hey, Dawn, three things I can look for to provide feedback on best hour, what would that, what would it look like? I think getting feedback is important, so obviously from your members, some system, um, some way to be able to co collect feedback from your members, even if it was just Again, this is off the top of my head, but it was like a simple five-star system. At the end of the day, whenever they're putting in their scores or the results with whatever app you use or whiteboard you use, being able to put a star. And, and again, even if it was just coaches who were able to see that information, you could rank it one, which was you know pretty low as far as enjoyment, and five was obviously five-star enjoyment. And so something's a simple rating system, but a way to collect feedback from the member or members is number one. So that's a great idea because we go to Crumble Cookie. People have heard me talk about this place. I'm I don't go much anymore at all. Roz is going for Easter like tomorrow to grab cookies. It's like these humongous cookies, like 800 calories a cookie. It's not an advertisement for Crumble Cookie, but if there's one in your area, go check them out. But when you leave, there's like an iPad and there's a smiley face and a frown. Mm -hmm. Of course. That's an interest, and then there's other businesses that have it as well. Yep. That's an interesting concept. I like that. And I like the idea of not just, it's not yes, no, it's not binary, right? It's one to five, maybe. Totally, that totally. I'm really gonna steal that. Okay, so that's one. 
I think that's simple. I even like the smiley face and like the straight face and a frown. That way they're getting like three. Right. But I think that a five-star system and you just, you, you encourage your coaches, we're looking for threes and above. And there's nothing that you can do to fully control uh, someone's experience, right? If they're having a tough day or if they come in there and something's going on and the, you know, they're already tuned off to the environment and they're not open to suggestions and feedback. There's only so much you can do as a coach. So there's, there's going to be people where it's not the best hour of their day and that's okay. You know, it, it's not going to be like a five-star experience all the time. I think that's uh, something that's important to note. And then, you know, but first of all, if anyone's listening and create, and the app's probably created, there's probably right. a ratings app, but Anasan, if you're listening, he's our kind of IT guy. Can you make me that app, please, by tomorrow? Um, but then what, what you would do then is two things. One, maybe the neutral, you, you know, you, you'd figure out who, when, mm-hmm. the address. Somebody mm-hmm. gives you that five. I want to know why you're giving me yep. that five. Yep. No different than somebody that gives you a one. Yep. You, know, you know, there's that idea of conscious incompetence, conscious competence, unconscious, you know, you know all those. And I think sometimes, you know, I might be a great example of, People are leaving with fives, you know, of course, mm-hmm. right? I'm coaching, but mm-hmm. why are they leaving with fives? Is it a joke I made? Is it the high five I gave them? Was it good scaling? And I think that's important to find out. So I love it. That's why, that's why you're out of here, Don. You're smart. Uh, that's an, that's an idea. Who, who knows? Yeah, you're definitely smarter than Fern and you and I. So, <laughs> so you've given us one thing and that might be all you need, but do you have anything yeah. else you can think of? Yeah, I mean, there's things that you can obviously look for within your members, smiling, laughing, enjoyment and getting better. That's what people want at the gym. They want to have a good time and they want to get better. So it, in order for them to be experiencing fun, it you know, there's some things we can look for, obviously, like smiling, laughing, high fives, dancing, encouraging others, um, making relationships. There's some things that we could look for as far as you know, the enjoyment side of things and then progress. Progress is going to be really enjoyable for most people. So progress is important. And again, we have all the ways to measure that, but it's important that the athlete is able to recognize progress. And sometimes they can't recognize that if, unless it's a PR, unless it's, you know, something new that they haven't done, but the coach being able to tell the athlete or show the athlete how they're improving or what they see that they're improving. So giving that feedback to each athlete so that they know they're progressing is critical. And again, that's tough to measure because the athlete may internalize that like, wow that feels awesome to hear but you might not see something externally that they're showing you that they're really deeply satisfied so that's why like conversations with members and some type of feedback system is really critical because you may not always know what people are feeling if they're not very expressive yeah and you know as you were saying that i'm thinking there are definitely times i've I've seen people both ways like that person's having a great time and they're not and if, you know, it's more, it more yeah. manifests itself into like, man, that lady or guy look, looks like a scowl, looks like she's unhappy. And then I go over, I'm like, you okay? And like, I'm, I'm great. And I'm like, oh, yep. you look miserable. You know, so it's, it's good to have those conversations. And, and something you said is, you know, we, we often only put our PRs and our, mm-hmm progress on standard workouts like friend and whatnot mm-hmm. as progress not realizing well i didn't squat as much but my form is significantly better or exactly right you know, I, I did something a tiny bit better you know you could even have a worse score in a workout but actually do better absolutely so this absolutely. is really, this is a really good time and i want to hear your input because we are coming out of the open right and for so many people whether they did the open 
whether they made improvements, whether they didn't make improvements. It's it's this kind of almost a reboot, right? It's it's the beginning of the new season for most of us. Yep. Now you work with a lot of people that maybe made it to the next round or will eventually go on to the games, but for 99% of CrossFitters, our season begins again. So yep. what are some pieces of advice you have, especially from the mindset perspective of, okay, you got your score, now what? I was going to say the way you frame that it's a pretty short season. It's either a short season if you look at it that way or it's a long never ending season if you look at it that way, you know, well, across the <laughs> I guess you assess like, okay, right, right. If you're trying to peak for the open your season just ended and you probably yep. like, if you watched Matt Frazier, he takes a month off like, yeah, most of us don't need a month off after doing the open. But it is a short season. I mean, it's it's a very short season for most of us, right? It's three workouts, it's three weeks, if you will. Um, but it's very meaningful to us and it's very valuable. And I'm all, I always, I mean, at this point in my life, I kind of laugh at people that are doing repeats to move up 10 spots in, you know, in the 10,000 range. I'm, right. I realize like- this They is care. Competition. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like no. at 42 with a baby, with training in my garage, one and done knowing full well if i did it again i would undoubtedly do better but it's not that important so what are some of the things let's let's talk general population first those like me they're done with the open now what can i do mentally for a reboot yeah i would say that the open is typically part of your season or maybe it's an opportunity for you to compete over a, a worldwide scale over the course of three weeks but it may not be the only competitive thing you do all year depending again on where you are and what your priorities are but it's an exciting part of your season and again that's not necessarily over it's just now time to if you want to and if you are excited about competition look for what's next or or what is going to continue to motivate me and excite me um, so taking a little period of, of rest and reset. I always, I always say two weeks is a good timeline of just like no serious training, have fun, you know, do some workouts you want to do, take some time off, get out of the gym, do some other stuff. It's a good period of reset if you're not going on to the next stage and then do some reflection on what you want to do with your training. Is it time to make any changes with, with getting more serious in, in an, with a program or with a coach, is there something that you want to improve on even more? And it's time to bring in someone from nutrition or from weightlifting or from mindset. And so being able to say like, where's my motivation at and what am I trying to do next? Or what am I trying to do with this? Um, and kind of forecast and goal set for the, for the next period of time, three months at a time, six months at a time, and be able to look at what you, what you want to do next. So do you, do you recommend that as far as, you know, your average person, and I would argue this, anyone that says they don't care, but actually does CrossFit cares. Because you- Oh, of course. And you signed up for the Open and you did it. Yep. And even anyone that just goes to a, you cannot be miserable because, you know, CrossFit is miserable at the end of the day, right? You know, obviously that's facetious, but you get what I'm right. saying. Right. And not care at all. Right. So if someone were like me and I'm like, hey, I'm just doing this for fun at this point, health, longevity, grandkids, do I still write out goals for the year for fitness or do you just say you're, you just do it every day? 
I say, if you're doing this for fun, we create goals around fun. How can we keep this fun for you? Or what does that look like for you to be having the most fun in CrossFit over the next three or six months? Well, Who did you love training with? When did you love training? What environment did you love training in? What kept it really enjoyable for you over the, over the open or the last six months? So fun would be the priority. And we talk about how can you make sure you continue to enjoy it and love it and maybe even bump up some of those components that really led to you having a good time and so no not the, the goals aren't necessarily around you again getting improvements in any any lifts or metcons or conditioning the goals may be just centered around making sure that your enjoyment stays really high yeah and i would guess that most people that you have that conversation with it inevitably comes down to like and do better like hey i want to go to the 6 a.m <laughs> with my friends listen yep. to classic rock yep but get worse i promise yep. No, like, but I guess the other aspect would be, well, if you're doing these things to keep it fun, accidentally, you'll get fitter. Absolutely. If you're enjoying it, and again, enjoyment's going to lead to consistency, as long as you're in a place where you feel healthy and happy with whatever you're doing from a performance perspective, you're going to continue to get better. And, you know, and that's a, every box has members that aren't motivated by performance yeah. right but and you know they will tell you i don't care about that and we know they do so what are some ways that coaches and obviously what you just said is key but but sometimes we don't have that opportunity to have those one-on-one -on -one sit downs with every member they're busy we're busy what are some of the things we can do to connect with members that you know quote unquote don't care but continue to show up because i've got them here where i coach down the road i can name them i won't because maybe they listen you know five or six people that are you know, relatively fit, but they have 30 extra pounds on them or, you know, struggle to get their first pull up. And they're, they're just there to have fun. And, and, and we forget, like, they're doing more than 99 point something percent of the world. Of course. We just want them to do more than, you know, what they're doing. How can I connect? You know, I think you set the example and you continue to kind of walk the walk. And for those people, if there comes a time whenever they do want more out of whatever they're doing, um, hopefully they feel like they have those avenues in order to be able to ask for help and to be able to say, how do I get to the next level? But I, I think we can't try to convince people that they're in it for performance when they are in it for enjoyment at that time. And maybe just because simply they see reaching performance goals as an extra stressor and they already, their stress is already high, their time and their energy already feel low um, as far as what they're willing to give to that. So, so for some people, it's not that they maybe don't want it per se, it's that they're just not willing to prioritize it based on what they, what their reserves are um, in, in life because of what they have going on personally. So I think we just continue to like, hey, if you're here to have fun, again, we, we try to help you have fun at the best that we can. If you're here because you wanna just maintain health and that for you looks like three days a week, then we try to honor that the best we can and, and teach you about health. And then if there comes a time when you say, I really wanna get better with my nutrition or my muscle ups or my squats, whatever it is, um, we're gonna be re ready right there to help you and give you those resources. Um, so you almost just provide, you let people know that you're available. You let people know that you're um, a place that they can come to and ask help and you can continue to walk that walk and lead by example and teach about teach about motivation and 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 help people understand that wherever they are whatever they're going after is okay and whenever they are ready to go after something else that you're there to provide those resources and that guidance when they're when they're ready if you're listening to this 
right now is because you're a fan of best hour of their day and probably me, but not so much Fern. That tends to be the norm. But if you are listening, we just want to ask you for one favor. Please support us on Patreon. Patreon is where we put some bonus episodes up. It's really the only thing we ask for. We've been doing this podcast for two years now, and we do it because we have a love for fitness. We have a love for helping others, a passion for developing other people and helping them become the best possible coach that they can be. And and we do it because we love it. We don't ask for anything, but we are asking that you support us on Patreon. It's $6 for the price of your fancy frappuccino with hazelnut syrup or whatever it is you get over at Starbucks. You can support the show. And as we get more and more supporters on Patreon, by the way, it's patreon.com forward slash best hour of their day. We're going to be adding even more. Right now, it's a free bonus episode where we answer all of your questions, but we plan on putting so much more out there, exclusive and early content, access to things that you know everybody else doesn't get. So once again, we don't ask for much. So if you love the show, if we're helping you, chances are if you listen to this show and you're a coach or a box owner, we've helped you make way more than $6. And not only that, we've helped just make your life better. Whether we entertain you or whether you've implemented many of the awesome things we talk about here on the show, check it out. If you don't, you know what? You can keep listening to the show. You can keep tuning in on a regular basis. Yeah, we put three episodes out every week. You don't have to support us on Patreon. We still want you to listen, but if you can, we appreciate it. And it's really just a fancy way of going back to what you said earlier, empathy. Yeah, 100%. I think for me, and probably someone, you know, maybe not so much for you, but for those of us that found CrossFit back in the day, mm-hmm. 05, 06, 07, mm-hmm. well, the leader was Coach Glassman. And whatever you want to say about Coach Glassman, he did a phenomenal job. He started this thing. We're all doing it because of him. Yep. But if you didn't know any better, you'd say there wasn't a whole lot of empathy. You know, it was... Agreed. It was, you know, eat meats, vegetables, nuts, seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar, you know, thing with, you know, learn and play new sports. And that was really it. And for quite some time, it was, if you don't do that, you don't belong here. And I think, you know, if the leader's preaching that, it's no, it's, it, it shouldn't come as a surprise that a 30-year-old at the time, highly influenced by this guy, excited about CrossFit, bought in, like, this is it. You can't do yoga. You can't, you know, you can't have, you know, you can't hang out with friends that don't do this thing. So there's that. And then we're seeing that shift. But what are some ways that you, this is the other question I had. What are some ways that people can seek out gaining empathy, improving empathy, you know, learning empathy? Like, you know, for me, you know, without getting married, without, you know, not that you shouldn't get married. I was going to say relationships is an easy way, right? You either learn or you don't. <laughs> it's extreme though. Don't get married just to be a better person. <laughs> you know, love that person. But, yeah. you know, what, what are, do you have any tangible pieces of advice other than, you know, check out, you know, Daring Greatly and Dare to Lead and Brave yeah. podcast? I mean, emotional intelligence is a big thing. Emotional intelligence leads to then uh, the next stage of emotional intelligence, I would call emotional agility. Um, 
So emotional intelligence is just learning about emotions, learning about your own personal emotional scope. Like most humans are comfortable with about 30 different emotions, the basic ones, sad, anxious, mad, that kind of thing. But we experience up to 30,000 different emotions. And so being able to learn about what am I experiencing and identify your own emotions helps you to be able to better understand what maybe other people are experiencing. So I think that starting with ourselves is always a, is always a great starting point of just learning about emotions and gaining emotional intelligence. And again, it's not something we're taught in school. It's not something we're taught in college unless we, we go after a psych degree. And then we end up like floundering in our thirties, like what the hell is emotional intelligence? And a lot of the athletes that I work with, that's actually like the main, one of our main focus because they're so, they're so intellectual as athletes, but from a physical component and they have um, for so long not learned about and understood their own emotional scope. So that's another topic in itself, but basically starting with yourself with emotional um, intelligence, which can lead to greater empathy because you have a greater understanding and awareness of your own personal emotions. And then being able to, again, understand what other people are going through and being able to try to um, improve your communication skills around how other people may be feeling. Uh, there's a book I really love, Crucial Conversations, which which talks a lot about you know how to have conversations when you're uncomfortable. But those are some those are some resources and some places to start. Um, again, really, it's practice and it's about getting yourself in, connected with somebody or a group of people who can help you and who can help coach you and help teach you those skills. Yeah, I think it's a mistake that schools don't teach that. I couldn't agree more. That it is the like. Again, uh, we, uh, we aim to learn to understand our physical selves, but we do nothing to understand our emotional selves. Right, like PE or gym class was definitely my favorite class in high school. Me too. But For you're sure. right, it's like, cool, we're working on our physical body, you know, kind of, we're playing badminton. Like, right, right. Really, <laughs> you know, but then we're not working on like, hey, here's how you, you know, I even took a home ec class, I learned how to make cheesecake, right? But yep. no one was like, hey, by the way, like you're gonna deal with, assholes and you're gonna deal with nice people and here's how here's how you can work with them and you know my parents were in town for the baby and they were like we're gonna start a college fund and I was like don't because I'm not sending her to college and they're like what and I'm joking just kind of like getting my dad right. riled up but I joked that it's like college was great I took psych I learned a little bit but it was you know I don't use it but really you do like you deal with yeah. people like college is great for learning how to deal with other human you're at a great age to learn that. Now, you mentioned your athletes doing that. What are some ways that you work with them and why is that important for athletes, even if they're not interacting as a coach? So this is something that I have put a lot of emphasis on over the past probably two or three years of my coaching with athletes because I've I've been continued um, continually shown how important it is and maybe how how undervalued it has it has been from a coaching perspective so again starting with themselves let's just say you and I had a session I would ask you to identify three to five feelings that you experienced today Jason and, and most people at the beginning of that conversation it's like what I'm happy during the workout you're talking just in just life. generally just generally right. in life like so three felt, emotions you feel felt today are you asking yeah let's just let's just try it I felt you know gratitude for uh, Roz and the baby. I felt stress earlier when I had to get a couple of things done. I thought I'd be late to a to a call. And then I felt, is connection an emotion? Yep. Connected, 
grateful and stressed, right? So you identified like three things that you were able to say that I, I felt today. Um, typically, uh, if an athlete hasn't practiced or is, 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 um, isn't aware of their own emotional scope, they may say like, fine, good, fine, good. And it's like, okay, let, I'm going to give you 30 different words you can choose from. Take five minutes and just try to go through those words and see if you can pick three. And then once you pick those, tell me what you mean by them. Just like what you just did. You kind of gave me an example to almost back up what the emotion, emotional experience was. So we start there. We start just by basic learning and understanding. Oh, okay, actually, um, I thought I was mad, but I was actually afraid. We start to get a little bit deeper. And I ask, you know, again, about that experience. How did it feel? Where did that stem from? And then they, they can do that on their own through keeping a journal about just general, generally about their emotions. But then I also give them reading and resources and podcasts to listen to so that it's not just coming from me. They're kind of hearing this from different angles and they're able to learn and appreciate um, that they have emotions because we all do. And most of us, most people would like rather just shove them down and really not talk about them or deal with them. And that's only because it's novel. It's uncomfortable when you haven't done something before, just like it's uncomfortable doing the kipping pull up, pull up. it's uncomfortable saying you had fear if you haven't practiced that. And I understand that. So we walk through that. And I think that that can actually be really empowering for an athlete because instead of trying to ignore that they have emotions, especially when they're talking about competing at the CrossFit Games, they can identify those emotions and then they have tools to be able to say, what, um, what within what I can do can help me handle this emotion, right? So we, we now can identify it and actually do something with it. That helps them feel very empowered. Hey, I'm feeling really anxious right now. Here's some things that I can do about that. Talk it out with my coach talk about a plan, do some breathing exercises, go on a walk, whatever. So now they're empowered to not only be able to understand themselves, but to also have tools to be able to um, use those emotions in a way that can actually help them perform better. Yeah, I think when you recognize things like you mentioned, like fear and anxiety, and mm -hmm. you can kind of get a better understanding of why you're feeling that way, how you can co uh, cope with it, because yep. we all get that fear and anxiety I don't, you know, as much as I said, I do the open for fun, three, two, you know, prior to the three, two, one go, I'm stressed. Of course. Like we all care a little bit. You mentioned, you mentioned a few podcasts. Do you have some examples of where you might send people? Yeah. Um, I can send you some too, but of course, like Brene Brown's an easy one. Um, what other ones? Uh, Susan Davis does a, a work on um, emotional agility, which there's some really good material on. Um, there may or maybe a couple of other ones that I've used in the past that I steer people to, to, to uh, again, just have a greater understanding of what are emotions and what do you do with them? How do you identify them? And I, again, try, I try to look at it as how can this be an actual strength for me? How can this be something that I can use to actually make me better? Because when you sell that to an athlete, they're going to be more bought in, obviously. Yeah, and I know we've kind of mentioned Brene Brown a few times, but she was probably one of the biggest catalysts for me as far as that. I, mean, I just remember a period of time where I downloaded all of her audiobooks and listened yep. to them. And for those of you listening now, you know, I think men are like a little like, oh, Brene Brown, it's a yep. woman, and it's you know, it's empathy, you know, it's too feminine for me. Yep. You know, listen to her because you will learn and. It, I, I would I would probably add it to my must lead must read list for CrossFit for any coaches, but really anyone interacting with with humans, I, I would put that there. It's going to make you a better coach when you're listening to that. Now, 
you also said something earlier that was interesting about hey leading by example mm -hmm. for for you and i we've been around a long time mm -hmm. and, and there are coaches that get burned out as do box owners how can they continue to lead by example when struggling with burnout i think the best thing you can do when struggling with burnout obviously it is to show people how you are working through that. So again, instead of hiding it as a box owner, as a coach, you actually say, hey, this is a good opportunity for a learning lesson for myself and for all of you. I've been working at, you know, to this degree at this pace for a certain time, there's things going on personally for me and I'm, I'm feeling a little burnout or any other way you want to describe that. So here are some things that I'm going to integrate. I'm going to come in later. I'm not going to come until 10. I'm going to take Thursdays off, right? I'm going to be out of the gym. Sundays, I'm going to be offline. You will not get an email from me or you will not see me on social. And if you do, you have, you have, you know, you can, you can ping me and say, hey, remember your boundaries. So you bring people on board for um, a good teaching lesson, a good learning lesson, and you, and you show them how you're going to work through that. Because again, I think that you all get better by doing that. The coach gets better, the box owner gets better, and then you're making an impact on other people who are surely going to experience that at some point in their career or their athletic um, pursuits, right? So you, you use it as an example to teach others and bring them on board, and then you're also gonna build relationships and trust that way too. Yeah, and I think, you know, for a lot of us, we burn out, well, because of the members. Yeah. So, you know, so showing you them and teaching them, hey, here's some healthy ways I have learned. I have not done a great job with boundaries for a reason for the first three years we opened our doors because I was so focused on growth and our goals. And yet now I'm at the position where it's important for me to start to integrate boundaries. And this is going to be hard for me because I haven't done this. So I'm going to be a work in progress. I'm going to show you how I'm going to do this. And again, that may not look like I'm not answering emails after five. I'm not going to be on social media. I don't respond to DMs. Like I post all of my boundaries out there very clearly so people know what to expect from me and then they're not surprised. And letting people know that again is just, it's admirable. And, and I think that that's an attractive quality in a leader is showing people what you're working on. Yeah, you know, for Fern and I, with a lot of the people we work with, they're dealing with that burnout for those exact reasons. And then they're like, well, but, but I've been answering these emails at four in the morning of someone that's asking, can I come to class for five years? I love that. Like, I've never really approached it. You know, my answer is like, you know, you don't have to respond, right? And they're <laughs> right. like, you know, but I like it even better with giving them the answer. I've not done a good job with this. Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean, and that doesn't mean I don't like you. You're right. I tell people all the time, text me anytime you want, because I'm not going to get back to you if I don't want to. Of course. Sleeping, my phone's not near me. And if I'm busy, my phone's off, right? So my phone's here. There may be people texting me, but I'll get back to them when we're done. And for, right. for some reason, as business owners, which both you and I are, they feel like, well, I have to. Like, no, because you will, you're, you're the red dots and the pinging. And the stress will never end if you, because you don't know when someone's going to text you. But I love that idea of putting it out there and saying that. Mm -hmm. A lot of box owners are afraid to do that. And then the other aspect of burnout, sometimes it's physical. Yeah. And there's kind of this, you know, stigma of, well, I'm the owner or I'm a coach. I need to go RX and I need to go 100%. And as I've gotten older, like, I'm like, hey, here's how I did the workout. I scaled it to 95 because I wanted to hit this stimulus, which I want you guys to do. And by the way, if I'm scaling, I'm way fitter than you, you should be scaling. So I think maybe <laughs> that idea of like, because, and you also know this, 
if you were going to do Fran, there's like, oh no, I don't want to do it. It's stressful. But if I said, hey, you're going to do Fran and your goal is to go six minutes instead of three, yep. like, okay, this yep. is a of relief. And you're probably going to be closer to three than six. You just have to start. So I think there's that idea when you're burned out and you don't want to work out of just scaling the workout or doing something fun, like you said, like you don't always have to chase your weakness. Sometimes it's okay to do burpees if you love burpees or heavy deadlifts if you want to do that because something is better than nothing. Absolutely. And I think that that's a great way that you, you lead by example is by saying, here's where I am on my journey. Here's why I'm scaling. And again, they, they, at the end of the day, get to do with that information what they want whether they say oh that's a good idea they they end up learning the hard way right but like like you have and like i have sometimes we have to experience things and learn the hard way in order to really grow and evolve in that way but you continue to lead by example by showing people what you're doing and giving them the reason why you're doing that and i think that's critical is at the beginning of a class being able to ask the individuals hey as you're warming up today think about your why what's your intention if your goal today is to have fun because you've been stressed as shit and your life's you know, your life outside of this is not fun at all, then I want to see fun all over everything you're doing today, stopping mid-set to laugh and to dance and to high-five people and whatever you have to do to honor that. If you're in here and you're saying your purpose is to move better, have better quality, better range of motion, then we're going to do everything we can to make sure you're meeting that goal. If you're in here to push your limits and really see what's possible when it comes to these sets of pull-ups, then we're going to push you outside of your comfort zone a little bit. And we're going to try to have you do bigger unbroken sets from the beginning of this workout. So, you know, you collectively as a group, um, you incorporate that in your classes and you try to help people understand that there's different purposes and there's different whys and intentions that they can have at the beginning of this class. And whatever that is for them, you are as a coach going to try to help them honor that, stick to that. And, you know, that's something we discuss often the whiteboard brief and I think too too often coaches are like warm up workout mm -hmm. go. Mm -hmm. but you should have those conversations and maybe it's not every class every day but mm -hmm. I, mean, I would mm -hmm. argue it should be because that was 30 seconds yeah yep absolutely and you're basically offering scale to rx mindset during that 100 percent. we forget about that like hey you're here it's okay if you want to go easy today maybe let me know so I don't yep. yell at you exactly right if you want to exactly. go through, here's some challenges exactly but before we wrap up i would like to look at it from two perspectives can you give me maybe again i just always like to give something tangible for the listeners but maybe three things two things someone can do in the morning to set their day off on the right path from a mindset perspective and then also two or three things they can do when they show up at the gym or they show up in their garage or when they're on their way to the gym to get their mind right for a workout. Absolutely. Um, a popular concept is to is to get a win in the morning, and I think that 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 can be again. It's a it's a dopamine hit for us all to know that we did something positive in the morning and something proactive for ourselves. So starting the morning off in the first five minutes by doing something positive and proactive for yourself to me that looks like a glass of warm water with lemon and Himalayan sea salt and drinking that first thing. It's just the way that I'm saying, hey, I'm going to be proactive about my health and being intentional about doing something good for me today. So starting there um, is, is something really helpful to, to win your morning. Um, taking a minute to be grateful for whatever it is. Again, even if it's just that you woke up, you have breath in your lungs, you have your senses, you opened your eyes. So almost immediately when we open our eyes, we're going to get a, a 
a cortisol release and we're going to begin to start to, uh, our heart rate's going to begin to increase and we may begin to have those thoughts about our day and stressful and rushed. But if we can just deep breath, quiet that down and I'm grateful for to be alive. I'm grateful for this morning. I'm grateful for my bed. I'm grateful for the senses that I have for the, for the ability to see and feel. Um, I think that's another really big thing is, is getting a win, doing something positive and proactive for yourself, and then also taking a moment to center yourself around anything that you can be grateful for, anything. I, I love it. You know, and that, I think for so many people, adding something becomes daunting. Like, oh, I got to mm-hmm. get a journal in it. Like, you, mm-hmm. you could just think it. Like, I'm really grateful think it. for this glass of water, a cup of coffee. Exactly right. Wife, husband, whatever's going on in your life. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And then before before workout, um, I think the, the most important thing is just that why is like what what is my intention today? I'm going to the gym. What do I, what do I need? Check in with yourself. What do I need? Am I feeling good? Have I been sleeping good and eating good? Is it is it is it an opportunity for me to push myself again? Or today is like uh, my stress is high. My sleep and my, my recovery are low. I just want to go in here and move because I know that will help me feel better. And I and you know checking in with yourself is is the first and foremost most important. Um, and then what are my, what are my, again, like process goals around that? How am I going to either have fun? How am I going to push myself? How am I going to um, make sure I focus on movement? So having a why and then having some kind of process focus around that why is, if that's something that you do before you walk in those doors every day, again, 99% of the time, you're going to walk out there like it was the best hour of the day because you met your intentions. You were clear about your purpose and then you had clear ways you were going to back up that purpose and you leave on the other side feeling good about the hour you spent. No one likes to waste time. No one likes to look back and feel like, oh, you know, that that wasn't worth it or that sucked or that wasn't fun or that was uh, in any way a waste of time. And so the way that you keep that from happening is you set up on the front end of that before it even gets started. Not just because this is your expertise, but also because you are a level three. I think things have changed over the years, or not changed, but evolved, where back in the day it was like, you're here 100%. Yep. As far as effort, intensity. Of course. So based on your knowledge and your experience, if you were to lay out a week and say that, well, let me ask you, seven days, we're talking normal people. We're not talking the games athletes, not even the people that are trying to top 10%. Like I do this to be happy, yep. to be healthy, et cetera. What would seven days look like, including rest days, active rest days, hundred percent intensity days. And obviously 0% would be rest, but you know, what would you, what would you lay out a perfect week to look like for someone like me? I'm going to say that most people actually, quote unquote, need less intensity than they think that they need. And I know that, again, goes against a lot of CrossFit methodology and the principles of of CrossFit training, especially that we learned from the beginning of the days that intensity is everything. Um, But most people, I think, are already chronically stressed in their lives and already dealing with some um, metabolic dysfunction in their lives based on the the pace that they're trying to keep and the amount that they're trying to do. So honestly, I believe most people could benefit from far less intensity than what a typical CrossFit um, environment provides, pending what the programming looks like. So, you know, that's, that's an asterisk, I guess, to the way that I would answer this question that I think is, is important for people to understand that um, intensity 
isn't the only answer for results by any means. And although that is a component that can be important and is important for you to progress as an athlete in the sport, I don't think at all it's a component that's necessary for you to be at your peak. Um, I shouldn't say peak, but, but healthy and, and fit at all. And so less intensity is actually what I would probably practice. I really like four days a week for most people, whether that looks like an every other day type of thing, or that looks like a two on one off two on, and then do some fun stuff on the weekends and get outside. I really like a prescription of four days a week and maybe two or three of those weeks. Yeah. You're doing something for time. If it's so allows that you move really well. And again, you've built up those skills and that ability to move through something for time. But the majority of that time spent um, working on conditioning, working on skill, working on strength. And that looks like 60 to 80% of the time is low to moderate intensity, you know, and maybe 10% of the time your training overall is, is high intensity, all out effort. I, I think in a bubble, yes, intensity gives results, but we have to remember like you said, stress plays a role. Fit, you know, nutrition plays a role. Sleep plays a role. Mm-hmm. So, too much intensity can actually cost you results if you're not doing the other things. And many of those other things, unfortunately, we don't have as much of a direct impact on. Right, your stress, your sleep, to some extent. So, yep. what we modulate is that intensity. Yep. 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 I mean, I think that a recipe for disaster is trying to go five, six days a week and go high intensity each of those days. I think that most people, that's not the, the, the path to the greatest outcomes and the greatest results. I think, yes, if you're, if training is your lifestyle, meaning you're spending four to six hours in the gym because you're, you know, your, your job or your schedule allows for that in a way that you're trying to be the best competitor you can be. Certainly, you know, uh, 20% of your day is going to be intensity or maybe 40% of your day is going to be intensity. But for most people, um, again, that's not the prescription that I think is going to be the most impactful on their fitness or their health. Yeah. I think that's definitely something that's, you know, and, and we also have to remember back in the day, CrossFit was one workout, Oftentimes, you know, less than eight, nine minutes. Right. Where nowadays we're trying to get this intensity, but multiple times, either a day or over a longer period of time. We look no further than someone like Matt Frazier, who literally best ever retired because everything else he was doing, that's what the mistake CrossFitters make. Well, I can do it because they do it. And then you realize this guy, every decision he's made for the last five years revolves around the gym. Yep. So while you're sipping on your, you know, margaritas on a Saturday, <laughs> realize that's why you shouldn't be having intensity. Exactly. And I love that, you know, that he's been coming out more with basically talking about how he was one of the first, if not the first person after the games who started to take an off season, how a majority of the the guys and, and ladies at that time when he started were hitting training the next day, you know, they were getting right back into the gym the next day. And he was like, at the beginning, he was caught up in that. And he says that, you know, he, he learned that that was not the approach that was going to bring him the most results and he started building in an off season two three four months at a time and again i think that that's really uh, important for a lot of athletes to hear because they can understand that um you can be your best you can actually probably be better than what you're currently being right now by adding in those periodic breaks and rests and pulling back in your intensity yeah i think he said he took a month off after more Yeah. yeah so that's if Matt Frazier can take a month off and win the CrossFit Games, and you can take a Tuesday or Wednesday off, right? Even one day a week, right? You know, the equivalent of what he takes off 
every year. <laughs> and he also said he took he takes a full rest day every week where he mm. literally tries to do nothing. So yep, as little as possible. You, you know, at 40, 50 years old, listening, need a rest day. Yeah, most likely. <laughs> Dawn, where can people learn more about you, your business, and how to improve their mindset? So drivenmindtraining.com and on social media, Driven Mind Training. I also just released mindset training on the SugarWad app. So it comes out three times a week and there's an athlete check-in on Saturdays. Uh, so that's been really cool. I'm building a team of individuals that have all sorts of different goals within sport, within any type of fitness goal or CrossFit goal. And um, it's a really interactive way for me to be able to work with more athletes because my one-on-one -on -one coaching schedule has been full for years. So I created this uh, mindset training program so that anybody who wants to access mental performance training can do so at a way um, smaller cost. Yeah, and I think, you know, no different than what we tell people with affiliates. Like, if you own an affiliate and you don't have a coach, you're doing it wrong. And I think, and we've said, every aspect of life. Like, people will drop hundreds of dollars for programming where it's free out there. People will drop hundreds of dollars for nutrition coaching when it's, you know, no, that's free, but it's a small aspect. And then they're like, hey, let's completely ignore what I would consider the most important. You know, think about it from any philosophy and all that stuff it's like you you always hear that like you can control everything i'm sorry you can't control anything but your mind yeah. you know absolutely you have no influence over the programming that goes on at the box over how this person treats you over this or that but you can absolutely. control your mindset and i i can't imagine you improve your mindset around training and you're not improving your mindset around your everyday life Absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't feel more strongly that it's the most critical piece of you being able to not only be successful and reach your goals, but you, like you said, developing into a more well-rounded and complete person, um, not only athletically, but outside of the gym as well. Well, I love it. Plus, you gave us that great idea of a rating system. So yeah, let's see that in action. We will. I'm, I'm going to, you know, Anasan's working on it as we speak, I'm sure. So, best hour of my day, worst hour of my day, somewhere in between, right? That's it. That's it. Best, worst. In <laughs> that's really all it takes. So, it is. I love it. I'm always excited after talking to someone. That's where the connection piece came in earlier. So I appreciate everything. I love seeing what you're doing. And, you know, if you guys are interested in learning more, check out Dawn. Great stuff. Thank, Thank you. you, Jason. Thank you. So you never miss an episode of the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and on all major podcasting platforms at best hour of their day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the best hour of our day. See you next time.